0: Welcome to A Lunch With Biggie, a podcast about small business and creatives sharing their stories and inspiring you. Uh, my guest today started with a sweet idea and a passion for business. From Candy Effect, he learned success and failure go hand in hand. So he kicked it up into another level with some knowledge gained and created Re-Up Sneaker Boutique. Please welcome sneaker entrepreneur Nike Nate, aka Nate Herko, uh, to the show. What's going on, Nate?
1: What's up? What's up? How's everybody doing? How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well, man. Doing well. I'm really, uh, I really appreciate uh, you coming on with me. Uh, we've known each other for actually for quite a number of years, uh, and so it's been really interesting to see your journey, um, of how you've kind of gone. Uh, but before we start all that, obviously I'm on my lunch break. What's your, uh, what's your go-to or favorite sandwich?
1: Uh, there, there's a couple. I mean, if you ask the guys here at the store, uh, I hate to say it, but I usually just grab a slice of pizza. Um, we have two stores and malls. So it's usually a little simpler than that. Um, outside of that, we have a lot of wawas here. So I'll always do a tuna hoagie on that. Um, you know, some lettuce, onion, oregano. I can't go wrong with that at all.
0: Tuna hoagie. Wow. Uh, I will say, I will say people that may scoff and think like, Oh, I don't know if I would get that at Wawa, but I do. Like I get the, I've gotten the tuna and I've gotten the chicken salad at Wawa. Sure. I have no, uh, no fear at Wawa and and what they produce. So I, I totally get that. Now so, the whole
1: East coast market knows that Wawa, they know, they know it very well.
0: And do you also have sheets by any chance over there too, or no?
1: Nah, not really any sheets. It's just pretty much Wawa for the, uh, for the, as far as the eye can see around here.
0: Yeah. Well, that's all we have here too in Orlando. We've actually, it's over. I love the fact that it's it. I'm a huge fan of the Wawa. Uh, So let's start from the beginning. So when I first, when I first met you, you had started a clothing brand called Candy Effect, which is basically like a Philly based indie clothing brand. Um, You guys sold mostly online and, uh, and then you guys actually uh, opened a storefront. Um, yep. And you even did a successful Kickstarter. So tell me a little bit. Give me a little taste of that, just to give people kind of like a, I guess, a backstory of how how we've gone. You know, your your journey through this um, to kind of creating Reup.
1: Sure. Um, I mean, long story short, which probably isn't really a short story because it does get pretty involved, but we'll try to keep it short. Um, Basically, uh, I realized, you know, outside of what my normal nine to five was at that point, which was uh, managing a sign company, um, I, I always had interest in kind of entrepreneurship and doing things on our own. Um, So I kind of looked into, you know, starting a clothing brand and as a lot of people know it's one of the more relatively easy things if you have any kind of design skills, you know, in your back pocket to to do. Um, from that standpoint, you know, just came up with sort of a concept, which was the candy effect. Um, we felt as though that was something that everybody could kind of connect to. Um, I, I don't think there's too many people out there that kind of turn down candy or, or don't like candy. So we tried to grasp that side of it. Um, and, and then just to make some, you know, enjoyable, flavorful kind of, you know, fun loving clothing to wear to, to go along with that. Um, And then from there, it was really just a matter of putting pencil to paper and and coming up with the design concepts and and everything of that standpoint. So, yeah, the Kickstarter was more, you know, so we could really get a good run of a product out to the customers that, you know, we felt as though would be interested in what we had.
0: Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about, because you guys, you guys went pretty, at least I thought it was I, in my mind, it was kind of quick. I was like in a quick process. You guys were moving pretty quick. I mean, you guys went from, you guys started online. And then all of a sudden it was like, we're going to open a brick and mortar location. Um, and then did the Kickstarter and all that, like yep. what, you know, so, and and obviously at, at the end and, and, you know, and, and we can kind of talk a little bit about, unfortunately at the end, you know, and how long was that time frame for, because I know at the end, basically, the, the brand and the store ended up, you know, ceasing. So, mm-hmm. like, where, what's the transition time there? Like, how long did you go from in, inception of Candy Effect to wanting to open the store to, you know, kind of going from, you know, to that next point?
1: So, so inception, um, I mean, obviously, it was a couple months coming up with ideas and and trying to figure out exactly the logistics of what we were going to print on. and And we wanted to put out a quality material. Um, so with doing that, <clears throat> excuse me, we we kind of got everything in place, uh, threw everything out there online. I, I wanna say it was probably within, you know, eight to nine months, um we were doing pretty well. I mean, we were shipping you know, Instagram was really big at that point. So marketing through Instagram and Facebook was, was pretty easy. Um, and even back then it was almost with Instagram. It was like, if you had an account that was, you know, somewhat decent, if, if they told their followers to then follow you, it it actually happened. Um, now you kind of don't get that same feedback off of Instagram. So um, from that, we kind of built up a decent following. We were shipping uh, legit to Asia, Europe. I mean, we were really shipping orders all over. Um, and, and I think like anybody else with the colorfulness and, and the design of what we were doing, you know, I, I kind of thought a store would be the next step. Um, uh, unfortunately, that was kind of our downfall.
0: What Do you think the downfall was mm-hmm. because of the fact that you guys went maybe too fast or location? Or what do you think was the led to it?
1: Uh, I would really say it, it had to do kind of a, a little bit of all of it. Um, you know, obviously we didn't quite understand what we were getting into with opening a storefront. Um, I, I think we made the same mistake that a lot of people do. We, we kind of went with an area that was going to be pretty cheap on rent, as opposed to going to a place that might've been more expensive, but obviously have a better traffic volume, um, to get people to actually see who you are. Um, But then from that, what basically happened was just the rent of what it was um, kind of sucked out any profit that we had. So it made it difficult to continue to churn out what we could just because the overhead of what we were paying in rent and utilities and, and all of that, you know, was kind of what shot us in the foot.
0: Yeah, no, it makes total sense. So that candy. So obviously candy effect happens. There's a transition. So tell me a little bit about the transition because obviously, you know, you got to, you got to, you know, you kind of dust yourself off, you know, learn what, you know, kind of give me, give me a little bit about what you learned from that transition of candy effect and then what that transition was from candy effect to then wanting to open up reup sneakers boutique.
1: Sure. Um, transition was again, kind of learning from my mistakes and, and moving a little too fast, um, trying to do the storefront. Um, right out the gate. Um, we definitely, I think if we had stayed just primarily selling online and, and marketing that way, it would have been more beneficial. Um, but again, with that falling down, obviously we ran for a year, uh, which is what our lease was for the store. Once that was over, my partner and I kind of you know fell off and stopped talking. So we just kind of shut the doors and, and moved on. Um, from that, uh i had always had a passion for sneakers i I sold a good portion of my collection to you know help fund candy effect so um with that you know i kind of wanted to get back into sneakers i I wanted to what i missed and what i was always into um so to build that um took a little bit of ingenuity um i I started doing these custom hang tags um that if you've ever seen like a jordan three or a jordan four they come with these nike Air hang tags um so i kind of came up with a concept um to make custom ones for people. Um, and, and that was more just to kind of try to give myself a name in the sneaker industry, um, which again, back then with Instagram still being in its you know early days, if, if you were able to, which is what I did, is make a custom uh, a few custom hang tags for some of the more popular sneaker followed people um, and then contacted them, sent them out to them they kind of posted it, shouted me out. And from there it kind of just exploded. And I had all these people reaching out to me, asking for hang tags of this nature, that nature, um, which then just made my Instagram, my personal Instagram shoot through the roof. I I think in the span of like six months, I went from like maybe 1800 followers on Instagram to like 60 or 70,000. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's insane. Yeah. So then, so then basically, obviously you're like, listen, I, I still love, I'm my, my, my passion is sneakers. I'm cre- I'm creating a, a brand or a name for myself as like the sneak as a sneakers, as a Nike Nate. Right. Um, and then what, how did that kind of go? Like, did you new partners, new, you know, what, did, how did you kind of go say, Oh, you know what? I think, what if I opened a, a sneaker boutique type thing?
1: Yeah. And that's basically what happened is is as my account grew and grew um, and I was going to the sneaker shows and selling the hang tags, it gave me excess money to go and start buying those hyped up shoes that maybe I had sold or or was never able to get before. Um, With buying the hyped up shoes, I then found myself posting regularly on Instagram Um, and, and then it just came one night, I really didn't have any sneaker related picture to post so. I kind of as a joke, like threw out on Instagram, like, Hey, what if I open my own sneaker boutique in Philly at that time, there was really only one store, um, that was down on South street. And when I posted that, like just the comment section went crazy with people suggesting like, you know, yeah, do it, do it, do it. Um, and then I had known a couple of people that basically, you know, were in similar positions that I was, uh, that reached out and said, Hey, you know, like if you're serious, like let's, let's link up and get this moving. And that's exactly what happens.
0: So a few little things, cause I, I find it to be very, it's, a, it's an, it's awesome how it all kind of correlated. So right. based on, and, and I've always kind of curious in <clears throat> this because I've ran some, I've done small businesses before as a partnership with like other people and mm-hmm. there's always, there's always an issue and stuff like that. So like, what did you learn or what, I guess, what have you learned so far from your time at candy effect and what your, your relationship there and all that to also now with re-up, like are, I, uh, what did you bring this time and say, Hey, maybe I need to do something differently or, you know, kind of work differently. Or is it, was it just a person like, you know, later on you just realize, Hey, it's just a personality difference, but like, was there anything different that you brought from candy effect that you learned and brought to Reup?
1: Um. <laughs> Yes, And and I'm not not trying to load
0: or poke the bear. I'm just (laughs) curious because I know that there's always, there's always, there's a lot of stigmas and a lot of things sometimes when you're working on a partnership and there's more people involved on doing work and getting things done.
1: Right, right. Um, So to, to, to basically break it down. So the store re-up started with a a few members um, and that didn't last as long as I kind of would hope. Um, one of the members kind of stepped away after a few months um, and then it was just myself and another partner um, that was we're pushing. I think we'll be open six years this October. Um, and then the other partner, he, he kind of started to, to be around a little less. And that's kind of he's still my partner to this point. But we kind of agreed earlier this year that we would kind of find a way to kind of separate and, and go off on our own. God. Um, so not that I really learned anything, um, from the first one, it's not like I can sit here and say like, oh, well, the partnership didn't work out in the first one. So I'm not going to do a partnership in the second yeah. one. Um, I, I, I'm always down for giving people chances and, and being a firm believer in, you know, looking at the positive side of people and, and everything. And again, not any ill feelings or, or a hard, you know, a hard, um, looking at somebody and, and, and being upset with them. It's just some things work out. Some things don't, you know, what, what can you do to make sure that you're, you're providing for your family and you're, you're keeping on with whatever it is that you're doing. So did I learn from candy effect and, and to some aspects I did, but at the same point, I think sometimes it just, it's, it's dumb luck. You know, I think you can try 10 things that are very similar over and over again. And, you know, not everything is going to work. Um, sometimes none of it works. Sometimes one of it sticks, you know, uh, yeah. if I had to say anything to anybody, it's just keep trying not to give up.
0: So with that, so let's, so let's talk about how the candy effect storyline, because you guys kind mm-hmm. of, um, very interestingly, when I, one of the things I started noticing, so you guys, obviously you went, when you started up, you opened the storefront in, in Philly, uh, and you had a store and, and I don't know, did you learn same lesson? Was it, was it a, uh, Decent area, or did you go cheap rent, or how did that? What did, what was that part like? Same kind of idea, or did you do something a little different there?
1: No, we did a little. We went a little different. Um, the the store for Candy Effect was more in the suburbs outside of Philly. So what we did with Reup when we decided to find a uh, you know mom and pop kind of corner location type store is, but we went more into the city. We went into actually South Philly, um, which is about a twelve minute walk from South Street which is where the other consignment resale store was. So we knew in that area being more densely populated, it would give us a better option um, to succeed. It also was a lot um, a lot more restaurants. And again, just where Candy Effect was, it, it was high visibility, but not foot traffic wise. It was yeah. more just people driving by.
0: And And one of the things that you mentioned consignment. So, um i'm always curious because like it costs uh, quite a bit of money obviously to re to, to stock up especially uh you know it's it's different viewing your own shirt compared to actually buying sneakers so like how exactly did you build up and like be able to open a storefront with a whole bunch of different sneakers of different sizes because obviously you you may have put maybe probably put your own collection out there but mm-hmm. there, you know you're wear one particular size and there's people that wear all different types of sizes so how did you guys um, kind of work that avenue or that angle to be able to kind of actually have a store full of sneakers?
1: So again, because myself and, and my other two partners kind of had a, a really good following through social media, we knew a lot of people that were in sne- into sneakers already. Um, so when we kind of explained to them what we were planning and opening um, on the consignment side, we had a plethora of people that were obviously various sizes, um, men, women, Um, and, and all, all other facets that, you know, smaller sizes, five, five and a half, some of the women would send those over, um, obviously all, all different men's sizes. So that's really what gave us a good portion of shoes to open. Um, but the funny thing is looking back on it now with me having two full blown stores in malls, seeing the amount of inventory that we had for that South Philly store was, was nothing to be honest with you, it was really compared to the amount of shoes that we have now. It's just such a huge contrast. So yeah, yeah it was really just knowing a lot of people and them having the confidence in us that, you know, Hey, I'll, I'll give you 10 or 20 pairs of shoes that, you know, I, I don't wear anymore or uh, that I picked up in hopes of reselling, um, to have that trust in us, to be able to, to sell those for them.
0: Yeah. It's been I'm building a building the fact that, you know, it's kind of that whole thing, you kind of put the sweat equity and you kind of put everything when it came into the sneaker industry. So, you know, sneakerheads actually knew who you were and kind of created that and you created a community, um, you know, which basically (laughs) kind of built from there. So then you go from your location, your, your store, your corner mom and pop shops shop. Um, I think you actually, at one point, I think you start having kiosks or doing some kind of setup in the mall as well. Is Mm -hmm. that, is that right?
1: Yeah, so uh, about a year into, maybe a little less, because we did have one when we opened South Philly, was the Keymaster game that got really popular for a while where you could win a pair of shoes out of it. Um, We had one of those in the store and then we decided to pick up a couple more and basically put those into various malls in our area. Um, But obviously we need somebody in case somebody wins the shoe, somebody has to kind of man it. So we had a a kiosk that we were selling a sneaker cleaning product and some sneakers on. Um, But that also gave, like I said, somebody to kind of watch the game for us. Um, So that kind of built off of that. Um, And then we realized again that, you know, there's, there's substantially more foot traffic at a mall than there is at a small mom and pop shop. Um, you know, if it's raining out, we were, we were dying cause nobody was walking up and down the street. Um, if it was raining, if it was, you know, 105 degrees with, with high humidity here in Philly, nobody was out walking up and down the street. If it was yeah. middle of January, you know, and it was 12 degrees, nobody was walking up and down the street shopping. Whereas those same conditions people will go to the mall. You'll go to the mall if it's raining for something to do just to get out of the house. Same thing if it's cold or, or if it's too hot, like let's go to the mall and walk around. And then obviously back to school and and holiday shopping is, is a huge advantage for being in a mall as well.
0: So yeah. So you basically use that, that kind of gave you a good idea. And then at that point you guys just said, you know, how long from the mom and pop, it was like a year lease. And after a year, you're like, you know what, let's get into a mall. Let's get into a mall.
1: Yeah. After the year was up, um, the way our lease was structured is we went to a month to month after that. So I I think once our lease was up, we kind of started looking at what mall would be best for us um, and then went negotiations with the mall. And then obviously, you know, 30, 45 days, somewhere around that time frame for a build out. And then we were able to relocate uh, probably about, you know, month 15 or 16, somewhere around there.
0: That's awesome, man. Very, very cool. And one thing that I I love that you guys have in your stores is the fact that you guys actually have like a cleaning service, don't you? Like it's like one of those Correct. where like almost like if you have, you know, if you can't fix your k- sneaker, your kicks, you could basically bring it to you guys and you guys will take care of it, which I think is awesome because obviously depending on the le- the length of time that it takes to do, they have they're walking around and shopping, but it also gives another service that you can be able to provide, which I think was uh I, when I saw that I was like, man, that's really cool. I never would have think thought of that. Um that's really cool. That's such a cool idea, especially since you already were selling the products um right. as well on the kiosks.
1: Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people, for some reason, whatever it is, even though there's multiple videos um, with the product that we sell on how to clean said shoes, you know, sometimes people just don't feel comfortable with it. They they feel as though, you know, if they they spent six, seven, eight hundred dollars for a pair of shoes, the last thing they want to do is ruin it by maybe oversaturating with water or 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 whatever it be. Um, So, I mean, that was just another thing that we offered in hopes of that giving us, just like you're saying, one more reason to come shop with us and, and you know, check out the store. Okay, cool. I can, you know, drop off these three pairs of shoes to get cleaned and see if they have anything else. And then now they have to come back and get those shoes. So now you have them in your store, you know, say two or three days later to pick those shoes up and we get new product every single day. So they could come in one day and legit come the next day and we could have 200 more shoes than we had before. Um, and sometimes they're in those sizes, you know, sometimes we get regular resellers that, you know, come in and drop up a full size run of said shoe, or there's other people that'll come in and say, listen, I wear size 11. I, I've got 300 pairs of shoes. I'm downsizing. Like here, let me put a hundred size 11s in the store. And if that person whose shoes you're cleaning wears a size 11, you know, obviously they walk in and we say, Hey, we just got a whole batch of stuff in your size. Take a look around.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy the ebbs and flows of that too, because like how your inventory goes uh, and all of that. And so then you open, you have your one, your first store, your first mall location, and then based on that, you're like, hey, I'm going to open another another mall location. Is that kind of how it went? You just basically continue as the growth goes. You're like, hey, I might as well because you have one in Philly and you have one in one in Jersey, right?
1: Correct. One in South Jersey, which um, where we were located in South Philly, it's kind of the closest mall to South Philly. So we felt that was the mall that was easiest. Uh, it's maybe a 20 minute drive across the Walt Whitman Bridge. But a lot of people that would shop with us in South Philly, if they do have to run to a mall real quick, they'll just run across the bridge over to the Deptford Mall, which is the one for South Jersey. Um, and then with that, um, we were just kind of up and down in, in, Revenue sales and and all of that. So it wasn't until, you know, this past April or so that we really kind of said, you know what, let's, let's grab this mall, Um, partially because we wanted to expand, but also partially because there's a lot of consignment shops popping up lately, like, I mean, a lot. Um, and, And it seems as though that for the most part, the malls that are allowing these consignment shops in there, they're only allowing one consignment shop. It's not like where you go to the mall and you can shop at Foot Locker, Champs, Finish Line, Foot Action, JD Sports, so on and so forth. So our big thing was to be able to get into a mall um, that didn't have another store before somebody else did. Um, And then the mall that we went into in PA is closer to my house where I live than actually the Deptford Mall is. So that was the other factor that came into it is I needed to be able to oversee both stores and run back and forth and the proximity just made it sensible
0: yeah no it makes sense what what would you say has been you know obviously with two stores now what do you think or what would you say has been your recipe for success what what uh what do you think is what you know what it is that kind of that does that makes the magic that kind of makes it happen
1: a lot of it really I feel like comes down to customer service. Um, I mean, I go to sneaker shows to to buy for, you know, the store. Obviously, I can go to the shows, buy there, bring it back here, and obviously upcharge um just based off of the convenience factor um to the people that are shopping. But when I go to these shows, I try to always go to each individual consignment shop. Like I said, there's a lot popping up now and it's it's crazy to think, but you would think customer service would be the number one priority. There's a lot of these shops that you walk into and you don't even get a hello. You don't get much of any interaction whatsoever. So I, I want people that shop with us, and it's a shame because I want people to shop with us to, to feel like they're part of the store, that they're part of the family, that they can come in and have a conversation about shoes. I mean, people that wear sneakers, like the ones that they buy from you know the stores, um, they're wearing it because they kind of... Uh, to be honest they want people to notice that they have that stuff you know that they want that pat on the back that they have those shoes and they want to be recognized for that so when they walk in the store and, and we recognize them for that that's almost like the incentive for them to yeah. you know start a conversation and talk um yeah. but again just customer service I, I think is really a plus and and is what it comes down to pricing is is obviously uh, another aspect, but with being a consignment shop, it sometimes makes it difficult um, to keep things at at a price. That's what market is um, because a lot of times people will pay over market for a shoe at a a, a consignment shop just because it's there just because they can, you know Um, it's a shame because I've, I'll be the first one to tell people that if you don't need the shoe right then and there, and you're telling me that it's cheaper on Goat or StockX, then by all means, order it off of Goat or StockX. Wait wait the four or five days or or sometimes two weeks for that shoe to come in. Um, You're going to pay more just for the simple fact that, you know, here's the shoe right there in front of you.
0: Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. That makes total sense. What, um, that, that's a, that's, it's really amazing. Cause you're right. I mean, the customer service aspect, especially if you're going to be opening a store is so important. And then to have people that actually know what it, know what, what it is. And, and they're just, you know, they have the same affinity and love for sneakers that, you know, I think that's so important to be able to have when it sure. comes to that. Um, what, what advice would you give someone who was wanting to start something, um, and maybe haven't, um, but you know, are thinking about it, what advice would you give them?
1: I mean, the advice is like anything else: is is to go full steam ahead. Um, if you try to half-ass it, you're going to get half-ass results, unfortunately. Um, and just because you put everything into it, again, unfortunately, doesn't mean it's going to be successful. Um, not everything works the first time around. You know, sometimes you have to take a step back and, and regame plan and 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 look at what it is that you're offering and and how you can adjust that. Um, but really it just comes down to do your research, understand the business that you're getting into, uh, understand what the market is, understand that no matter what you come up with, as far as a concept for said business, there's going to be people doing the same exact thing, selling the same exact product. So what can you do to kind of differentiate or, or separate yourself from those other people? And, and that's usually the hardest part, you know, it's, it's. I'm reselling shoes. Like you can, you can go almost anywhere at this day and age and, and be a reseller or, or buy shoes that sell out instantaneously. So again, what, what makes people want to come shop with us? I, and I think a lot of times that just comes down to, like I said, customer service and, and convenience.
0: Now, I know you guys also, do. you, you guys also sell sneakers online. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. Yep. Okay. So how does that, how does that usually work? Cause do you have to, isn't that like, obviously Inventory is run inventory can go ebb and flow so like is it one of yep. those where like you guys are constantly just like if you get a new product you're putting it in and putting it online or you know yeah. and then if it sells out you kind of take it out or is it separate separate in, online inventory is separate than store inventory how's that work?
1: No, every, everything that we have, we, uh, we run through Shopify. So obviously Shopify is our, our website, but it's also our point of sale. So the good part about that is if we do get a product in, um, that product does get inputted because obviously if it's on consignment, that's got to show up in the vendor payout portion of our Shopify. Um, but at the same point, if that shoe does obviously sell in store, it, it automatically comes off the website. So you don't have to worry about double selling something or yeah. he- heaven forbid, you know a- anything of that nature.
0: Yeah, man. Makes total sense. What, uh, do you have like a mantra or a a slogan or anything that you kind of go with, uh, or or live by? Uh,
1: not really. Um, uh, I mean, personally, I I just really try to look at the positive side of everything. Um, I, I guess if you could say anything, it's, uh, I always look at a situation and say, you know, it could be worse. So as, as frustrated or or difficult as a time could be, I mean, heaven forbid, you know, it it could be worse. There there could be tons of other things that got thrown on top of that. So in the grand scheme of it, you know, what you're dealing with really isn't that bad because it could be drastically worse than it actually is. So try to kind of just shrug it off and and keep moving.
0: Yeah, Makes sense. Um, Do you have any questions for me by any chance?
1: Uh, yeah, a couple questions, you know, um, basically how, how is your brand going? Um, what is it that you feel as though has been a a positive for yourself and kind of, I know it's a tough one to answer, but kind of where do you see it it progressing in the future?
0: Yeah. So, uh, brands doing well. I mean, obviously do I, I'm still, I'm still in it. So I've been in it now (laughs) for eight years. Uh, and so I'm still in it. Um, there's aspects to it where I definitely think it should grow. It needs to grow and, it, and it's starting to go there. I'm starting to go more towards um, wholesale at some stores uh, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I'm trying to kind of go in that route, um, you know, and it's, so it's been a progression. It's definitely, do I want it to be more? Yes. Um, but there's certain aspects where I'm like, I need to, I need to improve on certain things in order to make it to get to that next level. Uh, and that's one of the things that I think has been the toughest because it originally, when it was your when it's your baby, you don't you don't either want to change it or you don't want to do too much to it because it's your baby. But then that's when I started realizing, like, well, I kind of need to be able to do certain things Um like the wholesale aspect of like, OK, if I go wholesale, then obviously maybe I don't I don't ba- I don't package it the way I package it. Maybe it's mm. something a little different because obviously people at the end of the day like the shirt and they want to wear the shirt. So it's certain mentalities that I've, I've kind of had to either say, you know what, I need to be able to do this because these are elements that are going to need and help and improve and change my brand um, for the better. Um, so that's kind of one of the areas or focuses that I've kind of done in the beginning of like probably middle of this year, I've kind of started um, just kind of doing a focus, doing like a, you know, having having a kind of like a line sheet where like I have my products um, and kind of be able to show that. Um, and at the same time, it's been It's definitely been, you know, there's the ebbs and flows, right? You have like the ebbs and flows of any business, Mm -hmm. um, especially when it's just me. So the sometimes like uh, recently, I'll be honest, like creativity has been, I've been kind of in a rut. Uh, creatively it's, it's kind of tough because like, there's so many ideas, but all those ideas cost money. And then if the idea sucks, then obviously then you're stuck (laughs) with a bunch of them. So, uh, so it's all these different elements that kind of go with it. So that's something that I've kind of like, you know, trying to figure out. And at the same time, I don't know if how, if you ever felt this, um, when you had your clothing brand, but for me is a lot. Sometimes I get sick of my own, like seeing my own stuff in the sense that you, cause you, what you spent all this time on it. And sure. then once it's out, you're kind of like, Oh, I'm done with it. But the thing is just like Instagram, not everyone's seeing it. So it's not like, so a lot of times you kind of have to remember and remind yourself like, Oh, well you can repost things or reshare older things that you have in stock because those people don't have maybe never seen it. Um, right. not to mention sometimes people need to see things five or six times before they can buy. So those are some of the things that I've kind of learned. Um, future wise. Um, I, I'm still in it, man. I really, I really think I have something. Um, and that's, to me, that's the the biggest part is like, I really still have, I still have a real big belief in what this is, uh, Mm -hmm. and what it can become. I just need to figure out, I need to figure out my secret sauce, man. That's, that's really (laughs) what it is. Like I, I am branding and like, I there's certain things that I I'm willing to pat myself on the back saying my branding is top notch. Uh, when it comes to it, my brand, my theming, like, you know, what it is when you see my brand. Um, but at the end of the day, I need to find a secret sauce. And that's kind of where, where, you know, it's that whole concept of the picture of the the person pushing the boulder. Like, Mm. what is it that I need to, I like, at what point do I continue pushing or when do I stop? Um, and so that's one of the reasons why I did the podcast was because I kind of wanted, I wanted to have, um, I've met so many people. I love, working and talking with small businesses so i Mm kind of this is kind of one of the reasons why i did it but i also did it because maybe i'll learn something from someone that'll help me figure out what my secret sauce is um and that's kind of what it is man building that community and uh and just trying to learn from everybody and just kind of you know keep moving forward because we're all on that same journey and you know, almost everyone that I talk to is part of my tribe in the sense that I know that they're there to to help, or at least to be able to kind of, uh, you know, at least as part of the same journey that I'm on, um, right. obviously some more successful than others, but, uh, but that's kind of, that's part of it. You know, that's part of the whole journey of, of where you go. And I, I tell people this, when you're in the clothing business, it's not a sprint. It's definitely a marathon.
1: Right. No, definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think, you know, even with what you're doing, where you're, you know, you're branching out and trying other things. I mean, you take the podcast, for example. I mean, who knows? The podcast could blow up and, you know, the clothing brand could become secondary. It's it's Correct. just a matter of putting yourself out there and, and attempting. If you're not going to attempt, then it's not going to pay off for you in, in the end. Yeah. Um, you really just, whatever you're into and whatever you feel as though you can give a hundred percent, I really feel like that's what you go after. And again, if maybe the clothing brand doesn't work out and the podcast does, and, you know, all of a sudden now the podcast explodes, you bring the, the, the clothing brand. And now all of a sudden people are buying lunch with Biggie t-shirts, you know, and, and there it is. It's, it's right there. And it's funny because that stuff happens. What we look at because we're doing it on a daily basis, we look at it like, wow, this is taking forever to get to this point where outsiders are going to look at it and be like, wow, you know, he started this podcast last year and now look at it, you know, it's, it's blowing up and it's, it's to this level. They don't see the eight years prior to that of, of, you know, hustling and grind and, You know, 3 a.m. laying in bed and all of a sudden uh, another T-shirt idea jumps into your head and you've got to climb out of bed and go get the notepad and, and write that stuff down. Because if you go to sleep and wake up in the morning, you're going to be kicking yourself in the ass trying to figure out what was that idea I had last night.
0: Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, I I tell my daughter quite a bit a lot of times when we listen to certain, uh, you know, certain people when they're like on radio and Mm -hmm. they're like, and it's like they're brand new. And I was like, oh, they're brand new. And I was like, yeah, but they're not really brand new. Like, like a good example is like Lizzo. Like I told my daughter, I was like, Lizzo was like, eight years doing stuff like she was going to quit and all of a sudden like she just had an opportunity and it just like exploded and everyone's like oh she's new and I'm like well she ain't new she's been here for years but that's kind of how it is I'm like and that's kind of what I told my daughter a lot of times when I like I listen to certain people on the radio and I was like I remember when they were just doing you know little little concerts in little like you know in little little venues and then now they're doing actually main arenas and and it's a process, and you're right. Yeah. You don't tend to forget about it. Um, and and that's kind of always the toughest part, I guess, you know, for a lot of people is to kind of see where you've come and how far you've gone and 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 you know, and, and obviously have the the vision of where you want to go next and, sure. and be able to get there. And that and that's kind of why I've kind of um I've kind of used the thought process of not saying no in the sense of um, you know, thinking of ideas or being able to kind of go that route. And so like, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to do the podcast. Cause I was like, well, this is something that I can do, um, that I thought would be a good, would be beneficial, not only for me, but other people. And, sure. um, and if it takes me somewhere, I mean, belly fresh Threads is taking me to a lot of different areas and a lot of different opportunities. Um, and that's kind of how I've taken it. I've always taken it as a lightning rod opportunity where, yep. wherever the lightning hits, I'm going to, I'll go to it and I'll try it out and go from there.
1: Yeah i think the biggest thing with with being an entrepreneur um and and doing all of the different things even if something it, it sounds crazy but e- even if you don't become mega successful and um you know become a multi-millionaire and everything else like that i think from a a, a personal standpoint for me i can look Back on my life and say, you know what? I tried this and I tried this, and because I tried those things, it it opened me up to meeting all of these other individuals that if I didn't attempt, I probably would never even meet them or or interact with them or be exposed to other things. Um, I mean, I, I know people that you know I went to high school with that you know they live in the same town, they work the same job that they worked at when they got out of high school, they deal with their you know the same four or five. Group of uh, friends, you know, that they've known their entire life, and that's pretty much it. Um, I think social media and, and the internet in general, as much as it has downfalls, I think it's opened everybody up to being able to, you know, explore the entire world, not just the neighborhood that you grew up with.
0: No, I totally, uh, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, heck, that's how we we met each other, uh, correct, through, through right. social media. So, uh, so yeah, man, it's it's been great. I will tell you, Nate, I think it's Uh, absolutely amazing what you've been able to, what you've been able to do. The fact that how you started, you know, with the idea of, of a clothing brand and kind of like transitioned into what, you know, another thing that you were passionate about and actually kind of, you know, you actually literally just threw it out there. You took it out. You you literally jokingly just put it out in the universe, said, Hey, what do you think I opened a store? And all of a sudden, like, bam, universe spoke back to you and you basically, you listened and you actually took it, you jumped on it and, and you've been successful since, man. It's, and, it's and, definitely, and amazing. it was it's, hard.
1: Yeah, it, it was, it was, it was super difficult. Like I said, I, I worked a full-time job. So, you know, my plan when I opened the South Philly store was basically to, to keep my full-time job and, and hire somebody to work at the store. You know, I, I was being paid decent at where I was. So for me to go in and just run the store, you know, it, any business in its infancy, you're, you're not making money. Um, you know, fortunately at the same time that, that I opened the store, um, the guy that I was working for sold the business. Another guy came in. We kind of didn't see eye to eye. And after about two months, I, I just flat out quit and and went and, and did re-up full time. Um and, and there was a good you know year and a half to almost two years that I didn't collect any sort of paycheck. You know, I would get a couple of dollars here and there, but you know, from sneakers that I had or, or Supreme items or, or, you know, older t-shirts that I had been buying. Like, that's kind of what got me through. Um It wasn't that just like, oh, cool. I'm going to start this. And like, everything was peaches and cream. Like it, it it was difficult. Um And fortunately my kids are a little older. So I was able to explain to them that just like money's going to be tight, you know, we'll make it work. But yeah, that was really the scariest part. And I mean, I've had this conversation with multiple people when they ask about, you know, what it was like to open my own business. And there was multiple times, multiple times that, you know, I would lay in bed and be like, you know what this, I just can't do it. It's, it's not going to work. And we've got to shut down and, you know, okay, how do I pay off the consigners for the money that I owe them for stuff that I've sold? And I mean, that's, I can't even count how many times I was ready to throw in the towel. Um, but fortunately, you know, here we are almost six years later, still kicking, uh, so uh, hopefully we can keep it going.
0: I love it man. I love it. So tell people how they can find and follow you and also uh support you uh especially if they're sneakerheads.
1: Yeah, uh my personal Instagram uh, again that's kind of the one that we use more than anything else uh Nike 21 Nate. Uh our two stores uh first store Reup Sneakers um which is our Deptford store and then Reup Sneakers Delco which is our Springfield PA store. So Um, Once you get there on either of the uh, Instagram pages, all the links to our website, social media, and all that good stuff is right there in the bio.
0: Sweet, man. Sweet. Well, Thank you so much. That's our show for today. Thank you to Nate for being on and having uh, lunch with me. Definitely make sure to check, uh, check it out and check them out online. And if you're in Philly, definitely go check out one of their stores. Um, and if not, if you're online and you're a sneakerhead, definitely go ahead and follow them on social as well as also maybe reach out to them. If there's a certain sneaker that you're looking for, they might be able to help you out. Um, if you enjoyed the show, definitely make sure to subscribe. If you want to support, check out my brand deli, fresh threads, um, and do some shopping and maybe tell your friends, um, Thank you. Until next time, keep eating sandwiches and follow your passion. Thanks, guys.